Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You cannot give a right answer to a wrong question. The question has to be right in order to provide a right answer. It's like what God is saying is, it's not whose side am I on, and it's not even whose side is God on. The question is, am I on God's side? That's the right question. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. In today's message, Pastor J.D. and Associate Pastor Mac discuss Black Lives Matter in a question and answer format to give you some new insight into what's going on in our nation. J.D. reminds us that the question isn't what side should we be on. The question is, am I on God's side? God loves all people and cares for his entire creation. He sees color and embraces all differences. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Joshua, chapter 5, as he begins this special message called, We Need to Talk. There's so much happening uh, right now. It seems to be getting worse with each passing day. I'm uh, sure many of you have heard about just some of the recent developments, uh, namely in Seattle, where they actually took over the police department in a section there in downtown Seattle, just complete anarchy and chaos and disorder and lawlessness, keyword lawlessness. So I talked with my assistant pastor, Mac, uh, about this. We've been praying about this, thinking about this. It was kind of interesting when I mentioned it to him. Uh, it was just, you know, he was kind of blown away because he was thinking along the same exact lines as I was. And it's just evidence that we're tuned to the same tuning fork of the Holy Spirit because the Lord put on His heart that which He put on my heart so we could address this reasonably and biblically, especially biblically, and specifically as it relates to what I'll call the demonic division, and it is demonic, This is textbook right out of the playbook of Satan himself, divide and conquer. Jesus said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And it's like Satan has been met with success in getting people to do his job for him and instead of him. The Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesians in chapter 6 said that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. And he goes on to list and delineate between four different entities of different rankings in the spiritual realm. That's who we battle against. But Satan has succeeded in getting us to fight one another so that now you're my enemy and I'm your enemy. So now it's black against white, it's blue lives against black lives, it's right against left. 
And this is exactly what his plan is. So as I was seeking the Lord, he reminded me of Joshua and went back to Joshua chapter 5, and it's right before the well-known battle of Jericho. And the Lord appears to Joshua, and there's this fascinating account at the end of chapter 5 in verses 13 through 15. It says, it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our enemies? In other words, whose side are you on? So he said, no. Wait, (laughs) no? Yeah, no. (laughs) But as commander, and depending on what translation you have, him and commander are capitalized for good reason, as we're going to see here now. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? This is what is known as a Christophany, a pre-Bethlehem revelation uh, and appearance of Jesus Christ. This is Jesus himself, and we know that because no angel would ever accept any man bow his knee, and worship him. So this is the Lord Jesus himself that is appearing to Joshua. And the reason I wanted to share this with you, because after this, in chapter 6, he literally gets his marching orders in this battle of Jericho, which is really no battle at all. You know how it how it goes. Very, very interesting. But I sense that the Lord would have us to start at this point because it really speaks to the matter at hand. And I'll explain what I mean by this. So Joshua's asking the Lord, it's almost like he's saying, Lord, you're on on our side, right? Not on our enemy's side? Lord's like, no. Wait a minute. Are you are you on our enemy's side and you're not on our side? No. Here's the problem. Joshua is asking the wrong question. And you cannot give a right answer to a wrong question. The question has to be right in order to provide a right answer. It's like what God is saying is it's not whose side am I on? And it's not even whose side is God on. The question is, am I on God's side? That's the right question. And that's the question that you can provide the right answer. It's not, are you on my side? Are you, God, are you on the side of blue lives? Or are you on the side of black lives? 
No. It's, are you on my side? And what is God's side? God's side is love. Love one another. Love your enemies, those who speak evil of you and despitefully use you. Jesus said that the way they're going to know that you're my disciples is by your love one for another. That's being on God's side. And what are we seeing today? We're seeing the antithesis of love. We're seeing hate. And I I just want to make one more comment before I bring Pastor Mac into the discussion. But um, by the way, I don't know if you noticed or not, but Mac is black. Yeah. I say that because, yeah, right? Because, uh, you know, you can choose the color of your car, but you cannot choose the color of your skin. And God doesn't look at the color of the skin. God looks at the heart. So um, I want to just mention this, and then we'll um, uh, get started here. But would you believe me if I told you that there are Christians, even pastors, and even whole denominations now that are coming out and saying that they stand with Black Lives Matter? Would you believe me if I told you that? So, uh, first of all, thank you, Mac, for, first of all, being my assistant pastor. I love you, man. (laughs) And I love you. (laughs) All right. I mean, think about this, right? As only the Lord can. You got an Arab and a black man up here. (laughs) I mean, does God have a sense of humor or what? Anyway, enough of our problems. Let's get to the task at hand. (laughs) So... Mac, let's start with uh, a definition of racism. And if you could speak to specifically systemic racism. Yeah, so it's funny because even today I was sent, uh, I think my wife told me, said that they were, they were changing the definition of racism. I was like, what? So I had to check it out for a second. I didn't see the whole thing, but yes. In a few months, it'll be changed. And I think what they're going to do, based on a little bit I saw, was to combine the two types of racism that are prevalent today that they speak to. So what I'm going to do is, is define so we can defend and or demolish, as always, individual racism. And then behind it, we'll talk about systemic racism. Individual racism, I'll give two definitions. Here's the first one. Prejudice, discrimination or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. Are we tracking? I think that we can all agree on definition number one as a product of racism. Right? Okay. The second definition of individual racism we're talking about. Racism is what makes us see the other with suspicion or to attribute negative characteristics to an entire group of people. This evil manifests itself in our individual thoughts and also in the workings of our society itself. Are we good with number two? So we have two definitions of individual racism. 
that we pretty much all agree upon in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Right? All right. But the problem today is, is that the scope of that racism, individual racism, is being changed. What do I mean by that? Well, we have top politicians that are changing the scope of racism. Listen to this, quoting, racism is a white man's problem, end quote. This is coming from top politicians. So now who has the target on their back? This excludes everybody of color. That's a problem. You know what that does? That allows people of color to say whatever they want to say. And you, white people, can never call me racist. You know what that also does? It makes us become more racist than you ever were with that ideology. Zero accountability regarding race or anything else, but here race will lead to, oh, I'm entitled to talk any kind of way to you. But however, you better not say anything to me. You're the racist, I can't be. That's an issue. And then we have a more complicated one, systemic racism. Very complex, and we do not have the time to get in all the ins and outs of it. So the comments that are coming, just hold off. I'll give you my personal email address, and we can talk. It's very complex, though. I'm going to give you the definition of it, then an example, Lord willing. So, here is the definition of systemic racism. A system in which public policies, institutional practices, cultural representations, and other norms work in various, often reinforcing ways to perpetuate racial group inequity. It identifies, diminishes of our history and culture that have allowed privileges associated with whiteness and disadvantages associated with color to endure and adapt over time. Systemic racism is not something that a few people or institutions choose to practice. Instead, it has been a feature of the social, economic, and political systems in which we all exist. Boy, mouthful, right? But let me give you an example of what they're talking about. So after the 1930s, FDR came in with the New Deal, All right. That new deal also included segregation. What they were doing were bringing up the middle class. And I'm just paraphrasing all this to get through it quickly. So the Federal Housing Association built houses for whites, but did not do it for black people. And they had this process called redlining, where they would zone out areas that the banks would say, no, can't lend there because it's high risk typically where blacks lived at, and others. And that policy did not become eroded or eradicated until 1968, and the first time you saw upticks in black ownership of homes was in 1970. So, 
The issue and the argument is the Federal Housing Association made it possible for whites to get ahead because a house is considered the, the, the hub of wealth. But what happened to everybody else? Where's their fair share? So that's one of the policies that people look at and say, hey, it still has lingering effects. So that's systemic, a, a piece of it. And that's only one. And again, there's truth in that to a degree. But what's happening today is they're utilizing that as a bridge to allow this movement to have some credibility. When they don't care about this piece at all. Are you following me? That's the issue. One of the issues anyway. So we have a duty to correct some things, but it's going to take sound, reasonable negotiations, compromise on both sides, and accountability. We can't just throw money at the problem. It doesn't work. A mindset change is also in order, and it must happen first. So that's kind of like where we sit at with racism, the quick, you know, five-minute breakdown, if you will. Yeah. So can you share a little bit about how blacks are taught racism? I think that we all are kind of taught racism from in one way or another. I believe we are. But... I would just speak from my own experience as a black man. So here it is, whether it's direct or indirectly, this is the main hub or quote that would come out. It'd be this, or was this, as I grew up younger. Watch out for the white man. The white man is out to get you. Or watch out for that white man. The white man's the devil. Now, to be fair... It's still racism. But why would they say that was the question I had in my mind. And, you know, you think about it. They grew up in the 40s and 50s, in the 60s, right? And so my grandparents earlier than that. And they would say things that happened to them. So they had this in their mindset already about what happened to them, their experiences, and it was passing it on. Hey, watch out because, you know, this would happen to me. I never forget when I joined the Navy, my pop was like, I don't know, man. All the things they did to me and whatnot. But it wasn't so bad that they told me it because I realized quickly that it didn't make any sense. I mean, we lived in a trailer park. Feel me? That's pre-poor. Before you poor, you live in a trailer park. That's what, you know, then you graduate to poor. And there were whites, blacks, Latinos, Filipinos in the trailer park. And we all did the same thing. The goal was to get out of the trailer park. That was the whole goal. So our values were different, and I quickly realized that that's what they went through, but not necessarily what I was going through. And almost 50 years old, and we're talking about as far south as North Carolina all the way up to Connecticut. Racism exists. Don't get me twisted. I'm not gullible. I understand it does. I've seen it. In Russia, especially. What's a black man doing in Russia? Well, you want to talk about that at all? No. Or is... <laughs> you know, <laughs> we can talk later about that, okay? But the point is, I've seen it and, and, and experienced it, but not 
the narrative that they're pushing here in America. It's a, it's a false narrative for a demonic purpose. So when they told me that, I kind of understood where they were coming from from their past, but racism is taught. And it has no place in America or anywhere for that matter. And especially any residue of racism has no place in a Christian. You're professing to be a Christian, and yet you have a problem with somebody's pigmentation? I don't think you're a Christian. That's an issue. Now, racism and stereotyping are two different things. Two different things. Because stereotyping is holding you to a character of some sorts. Associate you with a, a character group. Listen to this. Consider these words captured in the book of Proverbs, chapter 7, and verse 10. The word of God reads, And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. Do you get my point? What she wore classified her as a prostitute. That's a stereotype. So we have to be careful and cautious. Know people's culture, yep. So you don't falsely stereotype them with something else that's negative. And there's all kinds of different types of stereotypes. But anyway, this there's some that are very harmless, like black people like chicken. <laughs> that's a harmless stereotype. It does cover the breadth of the people, but it's not racial. And I will tell you right now, that stereotype is absolutely correct. <laughs> Especially Chick-fil-A chicken, oh, man. man. You're I making heard he me hungry. On Sunday, man. <laughs> but anyway, you know that's that's kind of how it all. Okay. Uh, thank you for that. That really appreciate you delineating between racism and stereotyping. Yeah. So, all right. Speak to who and what is Black Lives Matter. Okay. What I'm about to do is just give you some excerpts from their website, and I encourage you to look it up yourself. So you have a, a broad, a, a, narrow, a narrow understanding of each item that they do, but broadly in, in, in context of what they're really about. So dissecting it, if you will. And pray for me as I read this stuff. I'm going to read to you their origins, how they came about. I'm quoting. It says four years ago, but later they've been established, I think, for six years now. What is now known as the Black Lives Matter Global Network began to organize. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but that doesn't mean you have to stop learning from God's Word. We encourage you to read the Bible yourself. In it, you'll find God's heart on so many matters and be able to catch his vision for your life. Especially during this time in our nation's history, it's important to stay firmly connected to the truth of God's word and the love that he has for all the world. Every person, no matter who they are, that includes you. Maybe as you've been listening today, you've become aware that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You may already read the Bible and maybe you even attend church, but have you surrendered your life to Christ? If not, today's the day to make that change. 
If you're not sure where to start, please visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com right now and find the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will give you step-by-step instructions and will answer questions you might have about why this is so important. We also encourage you to be part of a church. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to join our family of believers. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for tuning in. Join Pastor J.D. next time for more truth from God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth.